0: He's he's so looking forward to relationship with you. You know that, right? And um, God is, is willing to risk it all just at the chance that you'll come meet with him, come get to know him, spend some time with him. I'm struggling to begin on, on this because I I think I think we're going to talk some more about our callings, and we have been talking about callings these last couple weeks. man? Everybody been enjoying that? I have been. If you haven't, they're they're on the website, they're on YouTube, they're on Facebook. But these last couple uh, weeks, we've been talking about how that you're called, and you know that you're called, right? And, and calling doesn't mean pastor, doesn't mean missionary. It can. But calling means that you have a part, as everyone has a part, and a body is full of parts, different, thank goodness, right? Could you imagine one big mouth? (laughs) Maybe some people. (laughs) No, that's not where we're going today. But, But the body is full of parts, right? And, uh... We might, I don't know, it, it says in, in First Corinthians, it says the eye can't say to the ear, I don't have any need of you. I'm a, I'm a male, and I, am, I used to be more introverted than I, than I am now. And so there is a strong tendency in me to have some kind of a, a lone ranger mentality. Not that uh, I think I'm better than everybody else, anything like that, but I don't expect you to help me anybody else relate to that guys can we relate I don't expect you to help me I don't expect uh, you know if a tree comes down in my yard I don't expect you to come cut it up for me (laughs) and uh, and so I have a hard time asking for help sometimes. but you know the body of Christ is one body it's not two it's not five it's not the 27 or 28 varieties that are in this city Um, it's one body, one spirit. And and, and it is the same God and Father that is in everyone. And I keep, we're just going to keep using this analogy. You know, each and every one of you have a calling. And God is the same God, right? And uh, I could go to your house, you could come to my house, we all could check each other's houses. Everybody got the same outlets in their house. Same kind of plug-in. But a vacuum can't do what a blender does a blender can't do what a microwave does a a fridge can't do you know we have everything we have tools to heat our food we have tools to cool our food we have we have tools to, to work on our hair we they all do different things right and the body of Christ all operates on the same power of the Holy Spirit every single person is called to be filled with the Holy Spirit everybody If you are not baptized in the power of God, you are a dryer trying to run without any electricity. (laughs) You are a blender that's not plugged in. You are a fridge that's going warm. (laughs) Because it is the power of the Holy Spirit through and in cooperating with your spirit that allows your calling and your operation to be manifest in the body of Christ. Uh, I believe it's in um oh where is that i believe it's in first corinthians it says we are co-laborers together with god you are god's husbandry you are god's building everybody say Say co-laborers it's it's a lot like marriage i like to think of it you know my wife and i are co-laborers together in our home now we cannot um there, there is some amount of, you, you have to be fair with each other, but you know that the wife can't do what the guy can do. You know, it's and the guy can't do what the wife can do. And everything that tries to, you know, this movement for equality is actually a movement of insecurity in some places. Now, I'm not saying that women shouldn't make as much as men. I'm not saying women can't be mechanics or anything like that. What I am saying is that in a marriage relationship, there are roles and there are duties, see? And in a God-defined marriage, see, there has to be a working together and a co-laboring. And we have, you know, what I believe is, well, no, we won't go down that road. Uh, there's a co-laboring that my wife and I have together in raising our children. There's times where I have to watch them, there's times where she has to watch them. There's times where I I do things that she does not do and she does things that I do not do. We work together to accomplish the same goal. And that is the co-laboring that you are to have with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works together with you to accomplish your calling. You cannot function as a part of the body of Christ without the empowering of the Holy Ghost. You might as well try to refrigerate food without being plugged in because it is by the power of the Holy Ghost that you operate. See? And the difference that Christianity is supposed to have, Christianity is not a religion to stack up against other religions and see who's better. In fact, God didn't he could care less about organized religion. Religion is man's way of keeping his own control and trying to appease God in a system. See? God came to buy people back into his family christianity the way jesus described the church what it, it was a family we are all and paul even says you're all members of the family of god and this was the original covenant that you know when 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 god came to abraham what did abraham want he wanted a son this was where it started right there abraham wanted a son he wanted a family and god says i can understand that because right now i have nobody on the earth that's part of mine and so he cut a covenant with Abraham because the first son had left. You know, Adam was the original prodigal, okay? And he took all everybody with him. All right, but that but Jesus, see, the, the whole why Abraham is called the father of faith in places is because he believed that God could raise his own son from the dead. And God did not require the death of Abraham's son, but he required the faith necessary for one to be raised from the dead he says good there is faith in the earth for me to do what i need to do to get these people born again and he sent jesus to die and you are risen together with him see? you're seated with him right now spiritually spiritually everybody say spiritually you're seated together with him in heavenly places see it is not a time, oh, we look to the future for the time that we will be in heaven and then we'll have the authority and everything. No, no, you are seated together with him right now in those heavenly places. Because Jesus, who is the head of the church, is on the right hand of God. Do you know that you, as part of the body of Christ, have access and authority from the right hand of God, the Father? Everybody with me? Do you know when he said he established the church, he says, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. The keys. The keys. Do, do you need if, if you have keys, everybody everybody have keys to their car that came here? What kind of faith does it take to get into your car and start it? Jesus said, I gave you the keys. Everybody say keys. See, if he gives you the keys to the kingdom, he's given you authority. He's given you the right. He has given you access. If I give you a key to my home, that means you can come into my house whenever you want. Right? I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven we have this really, really low, everybody say low, we have this very low picture about who we are supposed to be. Um, He says, on this rock, I'm going to establish my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then we always have this picture. We have this picture in us that somehow it's the gates of hell we're trying to hold back. But the gates of hell don't attack you. They're locked up. You have been given the keys of the kingdom. You're the one that's supposed to be kicking down those gates and getting the captives set free. You have all authority. What did Jesus say? He says, all authority has been given me in heaven and earth. Therefore, go. See, you have been given those keys. You have right. You have access. You have authority and each and every one of you have a calling and you're called to be part of the body and you're called to fit together. And a calling is not necessarily up here. A calling is not necessarily on TV. Okay, a calling is what he has assigned for you to do. There are parts of the body that you never see, but thank goodness they're there, right? I've, I don't ever want to see. I don't ever want to see my spleen. <laughs> or my liver, or my heart. <laughs> or my, I don't ever want to see those things, but I'm glad they're there, right? Let's see, let's be going to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians four, verse one. This is Paul. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called all lowliness and meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of, bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, through all, and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And skip down here to verse 10. He that descended is above, sorry, 11, verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ so we all come up in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the son of god. Now I want to stop here real quick. In verse uh, 11 through 12, he identifies what we we call fivefold ministry, which is apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Okay? He says, "God gave these particular gifts." All right? These particular parts of the body are not better than any part of the body, but he said he gave these particular gifts specifically to the body of Christ for this purpose that they would mature and build the body up now what that body becomes or what the people or the members of that body do some of them may turn around and fill that same calling apostle prophet okay but that uh, that fivefold ministry is supposed to be the hmm, It is supposed to be the building up of the members of the body so that they go out and do what they're called to do. Not necessarily that they're built up to do what they do. In other words, they're not built up to be another pastor. The body of Christ doesn't need a whole host of pastors. The body of Christ doesn't need a whole host of teachers. It doesn't need a whole host of apostles. What it needs is those five things grow up the body to produce maybe, now there's going to be some of them that end up being those parts, but it's growing the body up to go do the things that they're called to do. That this one part of the body he's outlining here, he's saying this is my job in particular. I'm an apostle. I'm called to steward the mysteries of God in other words it's my job as this part of the body as an apostle to make sure that doctrine is correct that's essentially what he would do he'd write the churches and says look here's a, here's the answer to this question don't do this this person who's doing this in this body you need to basically get rid of them so that they will come back to God before they die okay this is what his job was this was this is what he did <laughs> But he's saying here, these parts of the body, the ministry, here's the purpose for them. He gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the perfecting or the maturing. Everybody say maturing. The maturing of the saints for the work of the ministry and for the edifying of the body of Christ. So it's these jobs of teachers, of pastors, of apostles, of prophets, of evangelists, to build the body, to encourage the body. In a way, they're like, they're supposed to be the parents to new children. That's what they're supposed to be, okay? And But here's the goal, verse 13. Now, look at, look at what the potential is for you, for me. The potential. Till we all come in unity. Everybody say unity. There's supposed to be a coherent unity in a body is there not god forbid you know your one arm is fighting your other arm (laughs) or your one eye is fighting your other eye or your feet are fighting your hands or whatever kind of combination this is you don't want this right so the, the this is why this is why paul paul being a good apostle he would I don't know if you remember this, but in Scripture, he would call out and he would say, look, I hear that there is this guy that's in your church. I hear there's this guy in your church that he is having relations with his father's wife. We hope it's step, right? I'm, I'm guessing it has to be stepmom. It has to be. <laughs> this, is, this was his job. He says, I'm calling this guy out and I've already judged it. You guys are puffed up. In other words, you have been leavened. You are you are you think you're being sophisticated and you're being tolerant and what you're really doing is putting a stamp of approval on sin in your church. And so it is his job to say, Look, I, I've already judged this. I know from the Holy Ghost right now, without even meeting this person, this guy needs to get out of your church. So that he might be saved in the end. See? There was this was part of his job as Do you know this doesn't now, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know who's supposed to do this, but, but this is supposed to be done. And when you have churches, let me, just, let me just back up. When you have churches that do not preach the sound truth, that are not more loving of what God says than what people say, that would rather seek God's favor than man's favor, if you don't have those kind of people, and Paul was one of those kind of people, what you tend to have then in churches is pastors and teachers and leadership that starts to cowtail to people with influence, to people with loud voices. And so they mute all correction, they mute all divisive subjects. Do you know that tongues is all over the New Testament? Do you know that hell is all over the New Testament? Do you know that loving, Your enemies is all over the New Testament. Do you know that the gifts of the Spirit are all over the New Testament? The more clearly you preach on these things which are part of the New Testament, the smaller and the smaller your church is gonna get. And if you want, if you want to have a broader audience, don't put your foot down on tongues for today because you're going to offend somebody. Don't put your foot down on this. Don't put your foot down on that. We have to get to the place where we care more about the truth than we do about who's sitting there listening to it. See? And this is what happens is we have created a church by and large that is so offendable, that is so... uh, they, They won't receive correction. They won't stand any kind of exhortation. And if you say anything... You lose them. You lose them. And it makes for, I feel for some of these pastors, it makes for tough pastoring. Because you can't say this because you know how this person is going to feel about that. I don't think Paul cared. I think he operated in love, but he also operated in truth. And those things are brothers. They're brothers. Amen. Look at this. Till we all come. This is possible. Everybody say possible. This is what the this is what the fivefold ministry is supposed to do. It is supposed to bring you in unity. And do you know unity cannot stand or tolerate lies. Right. Truth and unity go together. So you can't have a diversity of opinions and be in unity. Let's see this is possible. We all come If you want to know what the truth is, Jesus said, I come to bear witness of the truth when he was talking to Caesar. And when he was praying in John chapter 17, he says, sanctify them through thy truth. God, Father, thy word is truth. If you want to know what the definition of truth is from the mouth of Jesus, it is the word of God. That is truth. And there is no alternative. It is his truth, amen? Till we all come in the unity of, of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God, and look at what it says is possible for you and me. I'm not not trying to say that you can be perfect, I'm just saying what he's saying. (laughs) He says, unto a perfect or mature man or woman of God. Now look at this. Do you see yourself this way? Because Paul says it's possible. Unto the measure of the stature of the Fullness. Everybody say fullness. Fullness of Christ. See, he gave apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying. Another word for edifying or edifice is building up. You're built up. See. What I'm doing with my, my boys is I'm building them up. Day in, day out. Build them up. Part of building them up is don't hit each other. If you don't ever tell them don't hit each other, they're going to grow up hitting bigger people. And then then jail will tell them don't hit each other. (laughs) See? But that's part of building up kids. Building up kids. Two plus two equals four. Are they adults? Are they mature now? No, they're not. But day in, day out, two plus two, don't hit your brother. This is what you know, just the other day I was driving. I said, do you know what this does? I'm sitting there in the car and Josh was sitting with me in the front seat. He said, let me tell you what this does <laughs> with a little bit of caution. I, t- I didn't, I didn't tell him enough to be dangerous, but I told him enough. I said, this put things in different gears so that daddy can go forward and backward and put it in a park. little bit, little bit, little bit, little bit until you're building them up. And this is spiritually what is supposed to happen. It says, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or building up of the body of Christ. till we all come and look at the goals here. Unity, knowledge of the Son of God, unto a mature or perfect, King James says perfect, is mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Doesn't it stand to reason that if you were given the life of Christ, you're called to stand in the maturity of Christ? Doesn't it stand to reason that my kids, though they are kids, they're one day going to stand full stature, toe-to-toe, shoulder-to-shoulder, head-to-head with me? Because they have my physical DNA. They have my potential. They They have that. And when you got born again, born into the family of God... The Holy Spirit took the potential and life of Christ and put it in each and every one of your spirits. And now you are growing it up, building it up, maturing it up. And Ephesians chapter 4 says, it's possible to walk in unity. It's possible to walk in the full knowledge of the Son of God. It's possible unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of fullness of Christ. And look, look at what, what's going to happen. We're henceforth, we're not going to be children See, this is what's possible. We're not going to be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love, and that's what Paul did, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ from who the whole body fitly joined together and compacteth by that which every joint, everybody say every joint. Every joint, that's you. That's you. Every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Make it increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supply. See the fivefold ministry is not the end. That's not when I say you're called, it's not supposed to be that you're called and then you look to see, well, am I supposed to be a pastor? Am I supposed to be a teacher? It's it's a calling that fits in the body as a whole. Alright, go to Romans chapter twelve. When he compares us to the body of Christ, I I really, I would not want to be in charge of trying to come up with a comprehensive list of all the parts in here, right? And there are so many things that are necessary for the body to do what it needs to do. For us to win the world, for us to be able to reach the world with the gospel. It takes every one of us, every one of you, adding that supply that it talks about in Ephesians, that supply that it might grow. In Romans chapter 12, and verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you might prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say, through the grace of given unto me now in Ephesians he talked about the grace that he was given and this is he's talking about the grace that he's given this was his job in the body as part of the body this was this grace the grace that's given to me through the grace that's given to me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly everybody say soberly According as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Now, there's been, you've, you might have heard some teaching on this that, you know, you, you have a little bit of faith. Somebody might have a lot, but God gave it to you. Okay? That's not at all what he's saying here. He's not saying that, well, Richard, he got this much faith, and Marsha, she got this much faith, and that's just the measure of the faith that they got, and they're just stuck with it. He's saying the same thing that he has said in other places where it's the grace or the measure of the grace that God's given to every man. He's saying the same thing here. Through the grace that's given to me, I'm telling you, think of yourself soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man, the measure of faith. Now, the measure of faith that he's talking about here is the measure of faith to do a calling. In other words, you're not called to be a lone ranger. You're not called to be the body of just on your own, you're called to fill a part, you're called to fill a role, and, and I would always get upset when I would hear people teach this, and I didn't understand it, because I was thinking, well, that doesn't seem fair that God would give faith to one person more than another, and faith to more, one person, you know, and in other places, it says, let your faith grow, so if my faith can grow, how is it staying the same, and how come somebody can have more than me, if my faith can grow, because that's not what he's saying here, He's not saying, well, you got a little bit of faith and you just do what you can with that, you, you sweet, silly little thing. <laughs> That's not what he's saying. He's saying, for God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. He's saying the same thing as in Ephesians when he says, I gave gifts unto men. In other words, it's God that assigns your role in the body. It's God that picked you to fulfill this part or to do this part. And if through insecurity you feel like, I'm not supposed to do that, or you want to do something else, then it is that insecurity that's driving you. It's not the leadership of the Holy Ghost. See, <clears throat> One of the most important things you can ask yourself, and the Holy Ghost will continually bring to your attention, is what is it that is motivating you? What is it that is driving you? What is it that is pushing you to do what you do? See, because one person could do one thing motivated by a completely different reason that one, than another may, and it'd be completely wrong. See? This is why in, in, uh, in the Gospels, Jesus would say, he says, when you give, don't let anybody, don't let anybody know. He says, don't be like the, the Pharisees and the hypocrites. When they give, they would sound a trumpet. Now, what was their motivation for giving was it to give? Was it to do good works to God? No, it was to be seen by everybody else. He says, do that in private. Do your fasting in private. Do your praying in private. <clears throat> I can remember when I was in, uh, I'll just share this. When I was in high school, I would go, and I didn't realize I was this much of a, ple- a people pleaser until I kind of understood this. Uh, <laughs> I was in high school and I would play football and every single morning I was so dedicated I'd get up at five o'clock. Didn't matter when I would go, I'd go lift weights. Uh, And I was real studious about it. And I'd lift weights, I'd go there and I'd I'd go to, I was always on time, I was always doing what the coaches told me to do. And then after, um, after football was over, after my four years at high school was over, I went to college. And it was about a year in, I realized, hey, I'm not lifting weights. I'm not doing what I used to do. I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm gaining a little bit of weight. (laughs) And I was, I used to, it used to boggle me. It really did. I really didn't understand why, why am I not lifting like I used to? I used to be so disciplined. Now I feel like I've just fallen off the train. And, uh. The Holy Ghost, through a pastor, used a different illustration, but he, but the Holy Ghost showed me. He says, you know, the reason why is because you were only motivated to do that because your coaches were there, and they saw you, and you were hoping for approval from them. You never really did it because you yourself wanted to be in shape. You never really did it because you cared for your, you were, you were trying to impress the coaches who were watching. And uh, do you know it's a whole lot harder to get fit for yourself <laughs> when you when you now I can st- look the, I feel like we're talking about motivation here okay what motivates you I could get fit for myself I could get fit for my wife that's a strong motivation <laughs> you know Natalie's so nice she's hardly ever mean to me but i I was like you know what you need to be a little bit meaner to me and say look you're you really you know, you need to go work out. Go do something. I need that kind of motivation, you know. <laughs> she has a hard time doing that. But she's not, she's not at fault. It's, it's the motivation. It's what's working on the inside of me. Now, you can find people that are workout holics That's all they do. But do you know what drives them? Some of them, it's the same insecurity of not being approved. See, it's not so much what you do is what's motivating you. And see, what you're going to find in, in following God is he's going to ref, start refining your motives and pointing them out and saying, why are you doing this? Why is it you keep... Oh, I don't want... <coughs> see, here's the truth. If what you do is for somebody else or even for yourself, it's, it's subject to them. But see, the motivation for why you do what you do should be for God. And see, it was his love that compelled him to the cross. It was his love that moved him. And the more that I get to know my Father, here's if you want to put gas in the engine of your relationship with God, you need to fall in love with him. You need to get to know him. You need to let him prove or let him get in your life and prove things to you, see? Because it's one thing to have words on a page and hear, and I love you, I love you, I love you. But if you never open up the door and let him fellowship with you and work with you in your heart and your mind and your life, in your situations, in your finances, in your home, in your relationships, you don't ever see him loving you. You just read about it. And if you don't ever get to see him loving you, that love doesn't motivate you to walk with him more. See, That love will compel you. The goodness of God is what will lead you to repentance. It is faith that works by love. See, you have no love for God and you have to drum up faith. It doesn't work. It is... See, Natalie has faith in me because I showed love to her. Because I f- pursued her with the love of God, it motivates faith. And that faith in me that she has, it works by the love that I showed to her. See, And, and when God gets involved in your life and he gets involved in your finances and he gets involved in your health, which is all of the promises that he said he wants to do. He wants you free. He wants you whole. He wants you sound. All of those promises where Jesus paid the price and died. He says, you know, the covenant that he brought with you is not just freedom from sin, but it's freedom from sickness. The blood was for the remission of sins, but the breaking of the body and his stripes were for healing. That's that's scriptural, 100%. I mean, you imagine what would compel somebody he could have, it says he could have called for the angels to come get him. All he would have had to do is open his mouth and speak one sentence and he would have been out of there. Whether it wasn't by angels, he could have defended himself to, Paul or to Pilate. He just stood there. Didn't open his mouth at all. Let them put his hand shackled to that post. Why? Because of love love motivated him to do that and it is the faith and the callings and the operations of god that is motivated motivated by your love for him see the motive of why you do what you do see most most christians don't ever get the cart before the horse in that their love for god is preceded by their trying to approve that god loves them they're trying to get god to Uh, uh, approve of them so they work for them so they they, but he already loves you see right. (laughs) am I getting this across? (laughs) Hmm. go to uh, okay yeah let's go to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and we'll end with talking about the Corinthians. The Corinthians, um, I feel like the, the modern day church should be able to relate to the Corinthians somewhat. There was divisions among them. They were trying to align themselves with certain speakers. And they said, well, I'm a Paul, I'm a Paulus. And, and one of the things Paul was correcting was saying, look, you're, you're being childish. <laughs> he says, we're all of God. You, you don't align yourself under one banner. And, and he said in one place, he says, um, he says, you come behind in no gift. In other words, the things that come from God and the gifts of God. And he gives a, an exhortation here on chapter 12 about the gifts of the Spirit. And the gifts of the Spirit and the callings of God go together. That's why you see them talked about at the same time. Everybody say amen to that? See, he talks about the callings of God here, the apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, working of miracles. He talks about um, oh, helps governments and administrations that's all different parts of the body but he also talks about the gifts of the spirit the gifts of the spirit being um i'll go right here verse four now there are diversities of gifts but the same spirit remember the blender toaster okay diversity is a gift it's the same holy spirit and there are differences of ministrations but the same lord and there are diversities of operations but it's the same god who works all in all But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to every man to profit with all. It's for everybody, okay? For to one is given the Spirit of the word of wisdom, or to to one is given by the Spirit the word of wisdom, or the word of knowledge by the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another diverse kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretations of tongues. But all these work that one and the self same spirit, dividing to every man severally as he wills. See? For as the body is one and hath many members, and all are the members of that one body, being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all been made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. Everybody say many. Now that's a good teaching through there if you have time to read that. But um, look here at verse 27. Skip ahead to 27. Now you are the body of Christ as a whole, but you are members in particular. So what he's about ready to list are the individual offices and members of the body of Christ. First apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. Now, each one of these things, you know, and, and I would just reiterate this, you might be called to be a pastor, it might not look like what you think a pastor looks like. I believe you can be a pastor and not stand in a pulpit. I believe you can be an evangelist and not go to Africa and stand on a, on a platform. See, because these giftings are meant to divide to every person. What if you were a pastor at work? What if you carried the light and the joy and the love and the peace into where you worked and everybody knew they could come to you and ask you questions and deal with problems because you're always given sound wisdom because you're always radiating the love of God because they see in your life a stability and a steadiness of somebody that's growing and they can just tell that God's with you what if you could be a pastor where you worked I believe you can see these are all different callings that you have been given and it's and it's the Holy Spirit is there to empower what you're called to do But look at this uh, chapter 13, and you know, chapter 13 is one of those chapters everybody loves to reference, but it's bookended by chapter 12 and chapter 14, which nobody ever references. (laughs) Everybody hear me? Everybody loves that 1 Corinthians 13, but they jerk it out of 12 and 14, and it's right there in the middle, where all of the tongues, where all of the gifts, where all of the power, And what he's saying here, look at this in verse one of chapter 13, he basically goes through all the gifts of the Spirit, and even some of the offices, and he says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels and I have not charity, I'm a sounding brass or tinkling cymbal, and though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and have all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and I have not charity, I am nothing, everybody say nothing, nothing do you know jesus this is this is what motivates you this is what motivates you jesus said if you speak to that mountain tell it to go into the sea it would obey you do we ever see that he did that no he never did i would always wonder why didn't he go rub it in the pharisees faces when he rose from the grave why didn't, you know, if it was me, I would just kind of waltz in there and go, na, 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 just run on out. Show you who's right, I'm the son of God and you're gonna believe me. <laughs> he didn't do that. Because he's love, right? What motivated him? What motivated him? See, He didn't work miracles just because he could. He worked them because he loved those people and what Paul is saying here is he's like you Corinthians you come behind in no gift you have the gifts of the spirit operating but you're still operating without the love of God you're trying to out prophesy each other you're trying to out word each other you're trying to out teach each other you're just making noise that's what he was saying here he says if I have the tongues of men and angels but I don't have the love I'm nothing I'm sounding like brass verse 3 And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned and I have not charity, it profits me nothing. This is the scary thing he's saying here. Look, you can be in a place where you're willing to self-sacrifice but not actually have the love of God for other, for appearance sake. For appearance sake. And isn't that what the Pharisees would do? They'd go give. They'd keep every single part of the law but they'd sound a trumpet before Look at this, chapter, verse four. Charity suffers long, is kind, envies not, wanteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, Endures all things. Charity never fails. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail; whether there be tongues, they shall cease; cease. Whether there shall be knowledge, it shall vanish away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. Now, what do we say? Perfect means it means mature. Mature. Now. People like to put this off into heaven, but what he's really talking about here is growing up right now, right now. He's not talking about the sweet by and by, where we don't need any of the gifts. He's talking about put away your childish things. Put away these divisions. Put away trying to out-prophesy each other. Have, who's got more faith? Who's got more this? Who's got more that? He says, why don't you walk in some love and put away this childishness? That's why he's talking about the love right here. And and he says, "You, you, you could have all of these gifts, but you don't have any love toward each other. And that's what he's saying here. We know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is mature has come, well, what's the mature thing he's talking about? It's the love of God. This is what he's saying. The love of God is what he's, you need the love of God to fulfill your call to operate in the gifts. It's what's supposed to drive you. It's what's supposed to motivate you. See, now I work out, (laughs) but I don't work out because somebody's looking at at me. I don't even work out because Natalie wants me to. I don't even work out because I want to. (laughs) I work out because I love him, and he wants me to. And that, see, you could strip everything else away, but what's motivating me, you can't steal what's motivating me because it's him. Unless you can take him off the throne, then you, you can steal my motivation, but I'd like to see you try it. See, I'm motivated by him. And look, look what it says. But when that which is perfect or mature has come, that which is in part shall be done away. The childish things, look what he's saying here. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. And he just got through telling them, I can't give you meat, I can only give you milk because you're, you're, you're babes. See? I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. See. He's calling for them to put away their childishness. He's calling for them to, look, the gifts of the Spirit are not a competition. Anybody ever been in a service where you can see insecurity pop up? I was in a service once where there was this, this guy was just full of the gifts and he was Calling people's mail out. Getting people up there and getting them healed. And God was flowing through that service so well. It was wonderful to watch. And then all of a sudden, this local lady that, um, it was so obvious to me and my wife what was happening. She got up and started doing the same thing alongside of him. Trying to basically take over the service. Because of the threat of spiritual clout. This person is more spiritual. I can do this. Let me try it. And it caused an obvious division in the service. This is what was happening, in Corinthians. It's supposed to be love that motivates you. See, if what, what motivates you? All right. When I was a child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. And, it, and he concludes it in chapter 14, verse 1, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you might prophesy. Now we could keep going on, but he, but the bottom line of chapter 14, is: he says, look, everything that's supposed to be done in the church is supposed to be for the edification of everybody else, not for you. It's not a show for you. It's, a, it's supposed to be that God's able to work in the, in the body. Your ministry, your ministry is not about you. It's about service. It's about, you know, when Jesus He called those disciples before he died on the cross, and he says, come here, I'm going to wash your feet. And and that that day and age, that was a servant, a servant's role. That wasn't something to be, that wasn't what you uh, uh, aspired to be. It was a foot washer. (laughs) That wasn't what you aspired to be. But ministry is just that, it's serving each other. Amen. Let's all say this together before we go. I'm called... I'm baptized in the Holy Ghost, Ghost. and I choose choose. to mature into the love of God. Amen. Amen. The more I spend time with him, and and that worship this morning was just so precious, how much he loves us. You spend time with him and you have his love, you're going to start to see other people that way. And, and, And God will use people that have his heart. He has a hard time using people that only have eyes for themselves, <laughs> but he, he'll use people that have his heart for everybody else. Amen. Amen. Well, oh, Father, I'm so grateful for your truth, and I'm grateful for your love that you have for us. I thank you for the callings and the giftings that are resident in each and every one of us, and I thank you that we start to see ourselves with new and fresh eyes, that we don't see ourselves as, you know, just. Reformed sinners that are just waiting for heaven, but we see ourselves as an army, as a body that's called and has the potential to walk in unity, the knowledge of the Son of God, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I thank you for filling every one of us with the fullness of you, that wherever we go, we would radiate your love and your joy and your peace in our workplaces wherever we are in our families. I thank you for that love that you love us with to show up at the door of the sinner, at the door of those that are cast off that need to know you. You love them as much as us. Help us to be your hands and your feet to reach those people in Jesus' name. I pray for a blessed week. And I thank you for growing us up into more of who you've called us to be in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. You're dismissed.